Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the official Warlords Game podcast. My name is Brad, and uh, I would like to introduce you to a new series of short, sharp, and sort of punchy episodes that we are going to be doing now that the world is sort of a lot of the places that our fans are uh, calling in from, parts of the world that are shut down um, because of the global pandemic. And we've had a lot of feedback from listeners to this podcast wondering if we would be doing more episodes. And the answer to that is yes. Um, I sat down with Paul Sawyer and we had a long conversation about what direction the show could take, particularly while Warlord Games itself is temporarily shut down. And the direction we decided to go was to give games that don't always get a lot of uh, publicity through the Warlord cast, a little bit of love, a little bit of time, and some discussion. Uh, and so that is what this sort of mini-series of episodes that are going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks will revolve around. Now, oftentimes you will have figured out, if you're a longtime listener of the Warlord cast, that our episodes tend to relate to upcoming Warlord releases. Now, Warlord puts out a lot of games and a lot of supplements, and a lot of PDFs, and a lot of great models, and not everything can get covered from episode to episode. So Paul Sawyer and I, um, being the, the, the minds behind this show, have decided to take that step back and sort of try and throw the net out and touch a lot of the games that haven't gotten talked about recently. Um, and that in mind, I would like to introduce our very first guest in this series, a man who has been on the Warlord cast before, of course. I'm talking about Tim Bancroft, who is the studio designer for Gates of Antares. Tim, welcome back to the Warlord cast. How are you going? I'm doing absolutely fine, Brad, and thanks for having me on. And it's uh, really lovely to actually give <laughs> Antares some love. Right? Yeah, it's a great game. I, it, it, I, to, to my embarrassment, I still have not um, gotten a lot of game time in with it, but it is a very well-written system. And from what I understand, having played a lot of Warlords of Erewhon, they are very similar games, um, and I absolutely adore that game system. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's good to talk Antares. Yeah, it's very, very similar to, obviously it was derived from Bolt Action, but Erewhon was actually derived from Antares. I was yeah. involved in the very, very early uh, playtesting nice. of Antares when it was still called Fantares. Oh, nice. And I've still got a document on my hard drive here, which is just full of comments and it must have upset Rick when he got it, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rick. Oh, it's all right. Rick <laughs> can take it. He's a, he's a big boy. We've talked to him many, a, many times. He is the expert. Uh, but the fundamentals of uh, Erewhon are Antares in terms of the D10, the mm -hmm. order dies from BA, um, the actions, the reactions, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. All the, oh, man, just the things that I absolutely love about it. Um, so many of those parts came lock stock and two smoking barrels straight out of gates, um, which, yeah, is just a fantastic system. So last we checked in, we were talking about the Vry. Um, and now I am going to mispronounce things as we go. I do apologize. Um, that is why we have Tim here on. But um, we, we have, <laughs> since that time, we've had a number of releases. And all of this will culminate um, on a series of solo scenarios and missions that Tim uh, is 
just put out through the Warlord site this week and will continue to put out through the Warlord site uh, in the coming weeks. Um, that'll be great for Gates. And for those of you who are playing Warlords, if you're looking to possibly uh, adapt it, they may, you may, you may be wanting to take a look at that. Um, but let's, let's take a, a step back and revisit where we've been with Gates in the last, God, has it been a year? Um, let's talk about the Iskar. Um, first of all, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. We normally just call it Asgar, but Asgar. if you want to call it Asgar, that's fine. There are millions of planets on right. the uh, Nexus, and I'm sure some of them pronounce it Asgar, others pronounce it Asgar, others will probably pronounce it even differently than that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it. we call it the Asgar. They are a mercenary race. We're not too sure where they come from, uh, except for the fact they're the remnants of a once fairly great civilization. Mm -hmm. And the ones who are most common, in fact, the only ones who are seen around Antares at the moment, are the protector warriors. They were a right. particular caste in the Asgar society mm -hmm. uh, who were biased towards protectors, uh, towards protection of the hive, um, fighting opponents and that sort of thing. And they've continued, uh, especially really, in fact, only, I should say, uh, under the freeborn. So it's the freeborn who somehow hatch them, grow mm -hmm. them, train them, and release them uh, onto universe for use as mercenaries. Nice. Um, and their rules were a free PDF through the Warlord site, and they are an insectoid race, if I'm getting this right? Absolutely. It's they they look like huge upright grasshoppers. Right. Um, it's the best way of putting out them. But obviously the back legs are slightly different. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got big eyes. The the models. I love the models themselves. Yeah, they look so really good. good. Yeah, they're, they're just lovely. They, they happen to be part of a set of mercenaries, which the studios and the guys in the studio just threw together and say, well, what do you think of these? And um, Rick and I went through them and said, well, actually, those are quite nice. Those do really good as mercenaries. That'll look really good. And some of those became different models. So one of them became the Herc. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other mercenaries became the Ancris, who was the creatures who go with the Herc. And the third one, which was these guys, became what you see now, the Asgar in their various forms, whether that's as the commander with his huge, great uh, Electrolash or Maglash. I think it's Maglash, actually. He's yeah. got Waving in the Air, which looks a lovely model. Yes. Or whether it's any of the others. And I actually think they did a good job on the spotter buddy, the spotter drone for them. I'd like to see more of those, but we'll see what happens. Nice. But the Eskar, you can use them as individual units or can you use them as three units. They come in a command squad plus two smaller squads. Mm -hmm. They are really tough because they're meant to be the warriors of a hive insectoid species. Right. So whilst way behind in the times, they would have been only warriors. The idea was that the Asgar developed and then individual Asgar could start making a choice as to how they wanted their bodies to grow and develop and what they would then become. And that's what you ended up with the Asgar protector warriors. Nice. As a unit on the table, yes, they're costly because they're so tough. And they might have a few weaknesses, but they've 
try to make up for those. You know, they use compression carbines, they use mag pistols in close combat mm -hmm. uh, because compression carbines don't work so well. Right. But they just look so good on the table. Yeah, they look fantastic. And I, as you said, I love the leader with the um, with the mag lash. Uh, it looks like a giant energy whip. It is very evocative of uh, a lot of movies that I've enjoyed in Hollywood. That you know, you just would love to put that on the tabletop and play with it. It just looks cool. Mm, absolutely. Now uh, the the. Ascar aren't the only things that have been out. Um, I think I've missed a whole big supplement here. Uh, let's talk about the uh, one of the, the big world-building supplements for Antares that have been out since the last time we talked. The Splintering Shard. Talk to us, because this is one of those supplements that really does um, build out the world and tell us more about the Antares universe. Absolutely, and that's what it's designed to do. Players wanted some more information on the splintering. That's the separation of the Panhuman Concord. Or the Panhuman Concord was, if you like, the Isaurian Concord to mm. start with. And they wanted to know more about what happened to split that Antares wide uh, faction or civilization, if you like, into two, which is what it's like now, which is about 1320, 1324 in the 7th mm -hmm. age. It's the panhuman concord, who are these nice, clean aesthetics, the mm -hmm. humans and drones working together in harmony. And then on the other side, you've got the Isaurian Cenotex, which is the latest version or the cycle round of the Isaurian Cenotex, mm -hmm. who actually <laughs> founded the original ones and then splintered off when they're Mtel, their nanosphere, got contaminated by the fight against the Tsankiri, who were a rather odd-looking species who just attacked them in real space terms. So if you like, there's two separate conflicts there. There's the Isaurians on Antares, and then there's the Isaurians in real space. Right. And and that's where it all came on. So players were really interested and wanted to know more about it, how that happened, how that split happened. Mm -hmm. And they were desperate for more background. Right. So I was asked, can you do anything about Isaurians? And I just instantly thought, yes, absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's do this. Players desperately want this. So um, I put together the Splintering Shard. And there is a scenario in it at the back. There's also some information on travel around Antares. So it gives you some idea of how long it takes to get from one point Antares to another, mm -hmm. which I think to some players has been a real inspiration because it shows that some of the ships in Antares have to be fairly big because they're effectively on their own. They're like 18th century naval ships. Right. If you send someone out across Antares, you might not see them again for a year. Or longer, yeah. Or, or longer, yeah, absolutely. And that also gives us sort of like a feeling as to why the freeborn are as they are. Everybody's tied onto their ships because if you're constantly going out for year-long journeys all the time, it doesn't make for a really good family life so mm -hmm. the freeborn live on their ships simply because they have to otherwise they don't have a family right yeah and i'm glad that the 
that I mean, when you look at the Antares races, the uh, Isaurians and the Concord are visually the most similar. I mean, they're very distinctly different from one another, but they are, if you look at the races, because all the races very much have their own character and individual aesthetic and rule set that sort of differentiates them from one another. But those two, if you were to say they were similar, you could say those were the closest two. And to to have the supplement then that explains the split and where that that difference came from uh, is fantastic down the track. I mean, it's it's great that you are listening to what people have been saying and you're giving them what they want. Well, that's the idea. That's what I try and try and do because players are really bought into this background, and the background is absolutely fantastic. You know, Rick's produced something which is clean. It's not grim dark. It's actually mm-hmm. far more related to if you like i don't know reality it makes it easier so there are grays in which misunderstandings happen there are black and whites in which you cannot do anything about it and the isaurian concord conflict is one of those the isaurians and the concord cannot help but fight each other Uh, so you've got you know the the drones and the high tech of the concord on one side and you've got the san ra um, the actual modern or evolved version of San Kiri, because the Isaurians found some San eggs, mm-hmm. uh, merged with Isaurians and this very biological, this very organic technology which grew from that. And the that's the key difference between the two, the biological setting of one or the organic setting of one set of technology and the purely more I don't know, silicon based you could say though i dare say they use gallium arsenide or even quantum computing and qubits in their uh, technology on the other so that's the basis of this conflict which the splintering shard tries to explain and it goes through the history of that conflict mm. so how the organic intelligence and biological or biosilicon intelligence on one side uh, just expands to take over the previous pan-human concord mm-hmm. and then the rest of the pan-human concord tries to oppose that because the intels are fundamentally opposed to each other it's like two virus scanners or virus software sets of virus software right. on your pc at home trying to work against each other at the same time Ah. they cannot help but regard each other as a hostile infestation Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and they try to eradicate each other try to wipe each other out and all the rest of it so that's the origin of the conflict a corrupted shard on one time side and the original shard on the other and then the corrupted shard becomes the main shard if you see what i mean Mm -hmm. and i've used the word corrupted loosely because the Isurians actually did it to themselves. They had to alter their own nanosphere in order to fight back against the sand. And then right. unfortunately, those changes propagated out through their own space. Yeah. So it, that's that's what we're left to. That's where we're left. And nice. it evolved over, you know, a, a fairly long period of time. And the splintering shard particularly goes over the uh, northern interface. So does that also include new army lists and new ways or new units, um, new ways to play? I know there's a lot of background material 
And as you said, mm. there's a new mission. But is there other um, new ways to think about how you're putting your list together outside of um, a lot of fluff? Which, yes. you know, and yes. I, I don't use fluff derisively. I love it. I think it's great. Without it, you don't have, you know, the passion for the game. So, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. You don't have and it. And that's the thing about Antares. It is fluff and narrative based. And that's why players love it, because it's not just this put your armies on the table, fight the other person. That's it. There's a reason why your armies are there. Right. So in the splintering shard, what I added in there was a few more commanders. I explained the evolution of a few uh, combat drones and suggested some combat drones that could be used. And also that it suggests how you might be able to fight battles of the period using the models you've got, obviously, or that we've already got available, but actually putting them on the table as they would be at different times during that period. So nice. you could actually just fight an Isaurian versus San oh, battle if you wanted. Yeah, cool. Nice. Uh, well, that isn't the only thing that you guys have been putting out. Um, there has been a PDF campaign supplement as well. Um, the Raiders of Bronvar. Um, yeah, we were waiting for this. Sorry, I'm jumping in here because I'm quite excited. Yeah, please, go we ahead. Were waiting, we were waiting for this for a long time because it was the result of an early uh, campaign. Uh, not campaign, it wasn't even campaign, it was a scenario competition. Mm -hmm which went out probably about a year after Antares was released, probably even 2017, early 2017, I think. And we got a whole bunch of scenarios back, but one, one guy in particular, and that's Adam Merton, mm -hmm. sent in two complete campaigns with five or six scenarios in each. And one of those was Raiders of Bromvar. Uh, he ended up winning the competition, and I can't remember what he got got from it, but he he uh, probably got a hauler or something like that. Mm. And we then worked together with him to add in bits from the Raiders of Brom Bromvar, and we added in uh, Lee Davidson's blue five one nine shard, mm -hmm. which was a Concord shard, semi independent, and we added in and we added in some more details of. Adam's Boromite house and his Freeborn house. So it became not just a series of scenarios, but you've got the background as to why those scenarios, those, the whole campaign was actually happening. Right. So it was the Freeborn house uh, trying to defend, or I should say splintering, and the Freeborn trying to protect their own world against these renegade, this renegade bit this renegade uh, Domas house, uh, not house, <laughs> clan, mm -hmm. who were trying to make their way in the world universe, but the only way they could do it was as privateers or raiders. And they were led by the guy called Bracus Hayon, uh, hence the Domas Hayon. Mm -hmm. And that's what the campaign's about. It's, it's about how the Concord and the locals on uh, Bromvar actually end up capturing uh, Bracus Hayon and stopping his pirate raids. Or should I say, depending on how the missions play out, not <laughs> capturing. <laughs> right? Not capturing if you're doing it strictly. Right. Yeah, the, um, it just happened that we were producing, producing loads of transports at, mm -hmm. at the time. 
and Adam and most whilst most of the scenarios had transports in them right from the start mm -hmm. um, we just ended up putting a couple of transports in the scenarios which didn't have transports so that players could actually use their transports um, in a whole set of scenarios as well and it works really well we had some great fun play testing it we you know the whole process is is quite iterative so you yeah. play test it you make some changes you play test it again you make some changes mm -hmm. and adam was really really great throughout the whole of that and uh, i was really chuffed to see it uh, finally come out yeah and by come out um it's awesome that this is a fr i mean all of that work in play testing went into creating a uh, you know an interlocking scenario based campaign that's free yep. Um, yeah, and it's a free PDF through the Warlord store right now. So even though Warlord shut down um, from shipping things, this is—I mean, Warlord has, depending on what game you play by Warlord, um, especially around Christmas last year, they put out a ton of free PDFs. And for those who haven't really looked recently, there's a lot of new stuff on the website that if you go to the game that you play and you sort of surf around. Uh, in the store, there is a lot of free PDFs that you can just download mm. right now, even though the stores aren't shipping, that you can play yeah. right off the bat. And they're free to read. If you're looking for something interesting to read um, or to play on the tabletop, boom, there you are. Now, speaking of which... This is, if I could interrupt. Yes, this please, is now, sorry. This is now where I have to um, uh, say, and it's really worth looking on the Nexus. People haven't really some people just haven't found the nexus mm. we keep on trying to pump it and we always keep putting links on it mm -hmm. but for example all the mercenary um info sheets for example for the Asgar mm -hmm. and Bromvar and splintering shard and background information to both of those can actually be found on the antares nexus which is www gatesofantares.com that's right but there's masses of information there we've we've got a few sub editors we've got some plans for it which unfortunately have had to be put on hold because of obviously what's happening now yep. we don't want people coming into don't want people coming into work right you know? exactly <laughs> then, then becoming uh, yeah, yeah absolutely but there's loads of stuff on there which provides background tactics you know rules explanations there's the latest living there's the living fact there's the latest errata there's the living mm -hmm. errata should you need it and uh, everything else it's it's a wonderful resource which has been going for a while now we've got i don't know 400,000 half a million words on there or something yeah exactly it's i mean when rick did the original kickstarter for gates of antares way back when um you know, people were hungry for a new universe. And, you know, creating a new, a new universe overnight isn't easy. And the fact that what came out when the game came out was pretty damn impressive to start with. But then since then, it's been built upon, built upon, built upon that, you know, it's almost intimidating to think about this universe now and where do I start finding out about it? Well, you just told us. The Nexus website. Yeah. That's where the you The Nexus website, yeah. So... The Antares Nexus, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And that is exactly where you find all your information. So, yeah, I'm glad you said that because it was in my uh, notes to, to mention at the end. But I think uh, you've mentioned it in a far more appropriate place. Oh, thank you. I didn't I didn't mean to hijack your notes. Oh, please. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no such thing as hijacking notes. They're loose as it is. But what I what I was going to say, though, is and you mentioned it at the start or maybe I did. Um, 
recently, as in this week, as in when this goes live, there are two new solo scenarios. And as we're talking about the state of the world and people not being able to get out to play opponents, solo and independent gaming, for a lot of us whose hobbies revolve very heavily around gaming, often this just means that we sit by ourselves and paint or sit and talk to our friends via Skype Mm. while we're painting. Yeah. But the fact that you've gone out and created some wonderful scenarios, and I understand that these were in the works before this all started, so this was just the opportunity to get them out. Um, All of a sudden now you can play Gates of Antares by yourself um, and in a balanced and fun way. And yeah, it's just a good time to to pick that up and play because you, a lot of us have a lot of time at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've just been talking to a few people about that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, they're talking about scenarios and uh, TTW, the uh, Tabletop Warlord guys want to do some stuff. I'm talking about talking mm-hmm. to them later as they want to do some more videos and I'm going to just help them through a few bits and bobs on that. Nice. And we may be running with some other stuff. To go on to the solo scenarios, Please. though, at the, when all of this happened, um, I basically said to Paul, look, I think that solo, solo scenarios might be a good idea right now because mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to be frustrated at home and you know, playing solo, absorbing mm-hmm. solo scenarios, something which is a bit of a challenge, can be a really great way to stop those um, working at home or isolated at home blues. So I thought, you know, let's give this a go. We happened to have one scenario which was in the works, which had just been put on hold because um, of studio resource. We were working on some of the other games, mm-hmm. which, as you know, we're putting out, you know, whether it was Dread or Victory at Sea or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I took that one, put in all the playtest notes and put that one up. And that was Gulf of Safari, which I released last week. And I then had some other ideas, which I actually started playtesting and putting together. And I've just reduced, just produced, sorry, another one of those this week, which was uh, Run the Gauntlet. And I'm working on another one, which I think at the moment is tentatively titled Death Ship, but I'll probably come up with a better name for that. I oh, think I like there was, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which I think that was a story by Harry Harrison once upon a time. Um, so. I'm working on that at the moment, which uses some of the stuff from Drone Scourge. Mm-hmm. That's the, the Drone Scourge Return Supplement. Which is the ship-to-ship fighting slash underground warfare, that supplement. Yeah, absolutely. That's the right. one. And then I've got a few other ideas which I'm just throwing around at the moment. And the other thing which I was toying around, which I just happened to chat mm-hmm. with a couple of other players about, and that was if if we can't do the may antares day which is a, a another campaign day right. which is the uh, phantoms of gremlin heart they w- were it's a mix of scenarios where the planet's trying to hold you there and you've got to try and get off with some artifacts now yes. the thing is if we can't play that of course i know that there's player is going to be disappointed but i think i can do something with those scenarios to turn them round for solo play and i was just discussing it this morning with a a player who was very supportive and said yes that's a great idea um but we'll see because that's just one player and me you know (laughs) we'll see what happens but we're going to try and 
do the same that we're going to do the Antares Day. In other words, take the results from all the games played on that Antares Day mm-hmm. and actually make them into a solo campaign and then try and get results from the players who played those solo. Nice. Will that will that come out? I don't know, but the idea but that's what I'm planning at the moment. And obviously it depends on whether or not we have to cancel that Antares Day. Right. Uh anyway. Uh, but I still hope we it's don't, right. But you know, we'll see. But it's good to be prepared in advance. And the fact that you're thinking about, you know, this the the campaign day is one of your big events of the year. And the fact that, you know, our world is being disrupted the way it is and that you're being proactive and thinking about how things could be in case it can't be this year uh, mm. is really, you know, this far out is is great. It means that, you know, come that time, if, for example, we are still in the state of the world that we are now, um, that you will have put a well-put-together package that you've playtested and thought through out for people to engage with and it's not just something that's thrown together because you waited to the last minute i mean we are in march for crying out loud so yeah yeah. i don't like i don't like throwing things together at the last minute and i don't like just putting stuff out which hasn't been play tested right so i told you about bromvar how we went through the play Mm -hmm. testing it's actually really quite interesting if i can dive divert around here for the moment yeah in that a lot of the guys who we do playtesting with, and they're a real assortment from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, with some really great and different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really lovely. We've got a rocket expert, drone expert. We've got a, a tank expert. We've nice. got players. We've got people who are really into narrative and all the rest of it. They love the process of playtesting because it is so different mm-hmm. from normal play. Because not only are you trying to play the scenario, but you're always trying to think, is this actually working? And... Yeah. Am I having fun right. playing this? What would make it better mm-hmm. as we're doing it? Oh, dear me, that wasn't a very good result. Was that because of the dice or was it because of the terrain or was it because we've got NAF forces and everything else? It's a different challenge, but it's and it's actually really quite intense. It's mm. I would say it's probably one of the more intense parts of um, the whole of working for Warlord is these uh, playtesting. But some playtesters get really quite involved in it. And it's all about challenge. It's actually about saying, I don't think this is working. Right. And obviously on our side is just saying, hmm, why is that? Right. Uh, and that's and that whole mix ends up really improving the scenarios. That's what I miss about the solo scenarios though. Because right. <laughs> obviously when you're at home I've got somebody who's playtesting scenarios as well, and I'm hoping we'll get some other feedback from him and anybody else. I have to say, anybody else who's got some comments or observations about these, do get get in touch. So uh, how that's, that's yeah. how can they? That is a an excellent point of, um, you know, it's always yeah, great because you've mentioned this before. It's always great to get feedback from the community, and you actively mm. seek that. Um, but how can they do that? Antares at warlordgames.com is the best way. There you go. Uh, I'll repeat that. Antares at warlordgames.com is uh, the email I monitor for Antares. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on the Facebook Intel group that's called Beyond the Gates of Antares, open brackets, Intel. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of stuff which is going on there. So there's loads of photos of Antares going on there, of you know, of what players are doing at the moment. There's a lot of painting going on, as you said oh, earlier. Yeah. 
and, uh, that's what I've done for sing, two days. <laughs> we're seeing some armies uh, come together. Yeah. Uh, which has been lovely. And there's always questions going up on there. And it would be nice if we could actually get some shots or photos or some progress reports from the solo scenarios. I'd love to see that. Nice. All right. Well, Tim, I hate to do this to you, but our time is wrapping up. Now, uh, something that I think is going to okay. be a common theme with uh, a lot of these short, sharp episodes is I'm going to be talking to people because we're sort of between releases um, for a lot of these game systems. I'm sure you got something up your sleeve. Um, are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah, mm, unfortunately, no. Okay. Obviously, yep. there's been loads of work on version two, mm-hmm. um, uh, because that was announced by John and Paul last mm-hmm. year. And all I can say is on the version two, it's a tightening up of the rules. Nice. Rick's been really great in rewriting the rules to better express what he wanted. But the changes, the only changes in the rules, as I've said before, have been uh, just to smooth it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of which we've seen in Era 1, anyway. Mm-hmm. And that, at the moment, I think is all I'm allowed to say, I'm afraid. That's but there's right. some great stuff. There's some great stuff, <laughs> um, which I'm just really excited about talking about and when I'm allowed to, mm-hmm. I will do so no doubt nonstop. Sounds like there is plenty in the pipe. And uh, as soon as uh, we are allowed to load that canister, so to speak, uh, I have a feeling that you're going to be back and we're going to be talking about it. I hope so. There you go. There you go. Well, Tim, again, thank you so much. Um, let's talk about the Nexus website for people looking for information. Again, can you give us that link? Yep, www.gatesofantares.com. There is a link on the Antares section on the web store, which is, you mentioned, there's loads of stuff. You can go all over the place, mm-hmm. so you can go to, you'll find it there. Otherwise, you could go straight to it, and there is a stickied, admin, uh, there's a stickied, I've forgotten what Facebook calls it now, announcement or something Yeah, it's like announcements that. page, yeah. Yeah, on the uh, Facebook Intel page. And I mention it in almost anything else I do, and it's in the newsletters. But it really is the best place to go for if you're looking, wanting inspiration for other people's armies, if you're looking for scenarios, there's a bunch of scenarios, a whole load of scenarios on there as well as the solo ones. Nice. And I'll be putting more stuff up uh, as, as I write it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, again, man, it is so... Nice to touch base with you and to see what is going on in the uh, the Antares universe and just to get yeah just, just yeah just to touch base and I'm glad that we have this opportunity to uh, to reach out and touch uh, to talk to all the authors and all the people who've been putting in so many hours to keep all these awesome Warlord games going um, yeah it's cool well thank you for being our guinea pig and our very first guest and uh, it is absolutely a pleasure and I I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Nice talking to you, Brad. Take care. Yes, take care. And guys at home, thank you very much for listening. Um, We are going to be putting these out short and sharpish. Um, There is definitely this episode this week. Obviously, you're listening to it. 
Um, hopefully within this week uh, or the beginning of next, we will have the venerable Andy Chambers on. Uh, and then there are many other uh, short, sharp episodes that are going to be firing at you rapid fire. They're going to be shorter than the usual Warlord cast. Um, but they are just, as we said, just an opportunity to touch base and talk about uh, some of the games that don't always get the love um, between big releases. Um, we're going to try and touch on quite a few. And if you are wondering about big games and big releases that are coming up, uh, like the Stalingrad book, please look back at the most recent episode previous to this one because it was a full interview with the author from the Stalingrad book. That is coming. Uh, that's from Bolt Action. And then, of course, Victory at Sea is coming soon. And there will be a full-size regular episode about that uh, sometime next month. So, And by next month, I mean April, which is probably when you're listening to this. So coming soon. Uh, but thank you again for listening. We at the Warlord Cast do appreciate the, you taking the time to listen to us today. And uh, we hope that you are safe and well wherever you are. Good night.